on the panel on RNZ National, Peter Fa'afiu and Dr. Ella Henry with me uh, this afternoon. Thank you for your feedback today. Now to this, Road Safety Week and a timely reminder that a key way to save lives is to reduce the limit. Our next guest says that road safety is abysmal by international standards and the quickest way to save lives on the road is to reduce the speed limit. With us is Paul Durden, Technical Director of Transportation Engineering and a board member for Road Safety Consultancy, ABLE. Kia ora, Paul. Kia ora. I was reading about this for Road Safety Week over the past five years, an average of seven people killed on New Zealand roads every week. I just had to stop and think about that. It's quite a shocking statistic, isn't it? It certainly is, uh, and not just the deaths that we have on our network as well, but um, the people that are seriously injured as well. There's around 46 people that are seriously injured on our roads every week. That ranges from a broken arm through to being paralysed and uh, suffering life-altering injuries. As you might well know, there are many opinions about traffic and transport, particularly on the panel. Uh, what really interested me is your thoughts on saying that, and, and this will get a big response, that we don't do well internationally. Can you just explain that a bit for us? Yeah, look, if, uh, some of the best performing countries in the world are, are based in the, the Europe and uh, Scandinavia areas. So Norway and Sweden have approximately two people die on their roads every year per 100,000 population. Our neighbours, um, Australia, have around four and a half people. New Zealand is up above seven. So our performance is about 50% worse than our neighbours, Australia. But why is that? Uh, what are the main factors that are driving our poor performance? And why can't our performance be similar to Australia's? That is quite 50% worse, Peter, for you. Yeah, look. Amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, as you, as you mentioned before, um, you know, there's nothing on the, nothing more than the, the discussions uh, about speed. Um, they get uh, Facebook uh, um, grapevine, um, you know, um, what is it, um, uh, Facebook uh, channels um, up in arms. So, Paul, uh, just a question for you. Why is it to that, you know, when, it, when people are talking about speed limits um, and everybody's got an opinion on it, you know, why, why are people so emotional about, about that topic? Look, that's a great question, Peter. And, and largely when I was writing the article, that was the question that I wanted to put to people. Um, I think that as a, as a nation, uh, we do generally have a bit of a, a culture of blame. So we want mm. to blame the road user. It wasn't me, it was someone else's fault. Or it was the road. It wasn't maintained well. It didn't have some safety features that might have mm. saved us. But as soon as you start having a conversation around speeds where it has an impact on everyone and everyone has to change their behaviour a lot, that doesn't seem to sit well with everyone. And perhaps it's a, a loss, a, a loss of some freedom, a loss of some form of right. Perhaps people are worried about the little bit of extra time that's going to impose on their journey. Ella? It's an interesting point you raise, actually, because, um, I, I mean, I, I grew up at a time where, you know, the top speed on cars was significantly lower back in the 50s and 60s than they are now. Cars can go fast now. We do not have roads that are, can accommodate that need for speed that seems to drive some, I don't know, perhaps male ego. Uh, but I do think that lowering the speed limit on the roads is not necessarily going to change driver behaviour 
unless we can lower the capacity of cars to drive fast. And that's a whole other different political and social agenda. Why then, can I bring why then, Paul, uh, when I've been to France once, we were able to drive 130 kilometres an hour, more if wanted, but my wife was driving, Tabitha, who's an amazing driver, and I said, slow down, slow down, this is shockingly fast. But but it felt like on those roads you could drive with ease. Yeah, well, I've driven on those roads as well, and I think you'll find that there's probably three lanes in each direction and a, a very solid median barrier down the middle. There was. Uh, so they are designed with high levels of safety, and we're oh. building some of those roads. So the Waikato Expressway, for instance, uh, has just been opened. Fantastic road, median barrier down the middle, and we can have a, a high speed limit on that road, 110. That's the maximum that we allow in New Zealand. But many of our roads don't have those safety features. So, uh, and if you transition off one of those highways that's built to that standard and suddenly go onto a, an undivided road where you're separated from opposing vehicles by uh, a 10 centimetre wide piece of paint, it doesn't feel safe at 100 kilometres per hour. Yeah, I'm just comparing actually that road in France to some of the roads that we've been on in the, on the road trip. Goodness, uh, when you put it like that, you know, you've got that little wee white strip. So 90% of our roads are undivided. Is the solution to barrier them up? Well, it's a, it's a multifaceted systemic approach that's needed. The, it would be fantastic if we could all draw, if all of our roads were a five-star road, so our high-speed right. roads had medium barrier and the like, and that we all drove safe cars and that everyone was vigilant and paying attention and following the road rules 100% of the time. But the reality is we simply can't afford to upgrade our road system like that. And so on those roads that we can't afford to upgrade the infrastructure, then lowering speeds is one of the solutions to make it safer. Paul, so much response to this. We're going to return to this on Friday. Look <laughs> at the text machine. Wow. Um, everyone, as I said, has an opinion on the panel. Uh, those, are, those are all the people from Pukekohe, Paul. <laughs> I don't know where they're from, Paul, but kia ora. I appreciate your time. That's Paul Durden there, uh, who is a board member for Road Safety Consultancy, ABLY. Why don't you email me at the panel at rnz.co.nz. This guy here says, uh, internationally, we were shocking when it comes to uh, road safety. Email me your opinions, your thoughts. Maybe you're an expert as well. Uh, we'll come to that uh, again on Friday on the panel. Uh, just some more to hand regarding the fire uh, in Wellington. Uh, the coroner cannot say how long the identification process will take. Uh, police do not have a confirmed number of fatalities. The purpose of the extensive scene examination is to clarify. And Dion Bennett, the acting district commander for Wellington Police, said earlier in the news conference, the examination said it'll be slow, methodical and detailed. Uh, also, offence assistant national commander Bruce Stubbs clarifies that at this stage, there are six people inside, but they have been unable to search or of the building. You know, on the panel, RNZ National, a word on this. There were many victims in the wake of Cyclone Gabrielle, and that list must also include the crops and financial stability of the veggie growers. Now, as they're trying to find their footing once again, shoppers are not buying, apparently. Chair of the Gisborne Growers Association, Calvin Geed says sales have halved in his stores over the past couple of weeks and demand from other retailers has lowered. So 
where have the customers' appetites gone? Calvin, kia ora, and I hope you've hope attempted to pronounce your final last name rather um, right. Oh, I think we might have a miscommunication because it's not Calvin, it's Richard Burke from Leaderbrand Projects. Richard, my apologies. My apologies. <laughs> right. yes, sorry, it's been such a news day. We haven't updated um, some of the uh, stories here. Richard, um, is this all down to cost of living? Oh, look, I think there's a there's a mix of things, and we have to be really careful with what we're saying. I think that um, you know veggie prices have got really high, and and consumers are voting with their feet as always. Uh, and so, you know, one of the one of the things we have to do is get that value range right, so we get consumers back buying again, and that's a responsibility as, of us as growers and suppliers. But yeah, we're all impacted by the by the cost of living and inflation and and those sort of things. But um, you know, if we want to be in the game, we we have to find that spot. Let's bring our panel in early, Ella. Well, my heart goes out to those families at the moment that are having to make choices about food purchases because these are such terrible times. I, I mean, that must be a really awful situation to be in, to choose whether to buy the cheap bread or the expensive vegetables. You know what I mean? Um, on the other hand, those of us who are privileged to be in a position really have to make an effort to get out and support our growers um, because I agree, it's, it's absolutely critical that we're, you know, part of the the improvement process is that we all go out and we and we you know buy Hawke's Bay wines and and East Coast fruit and vegetables. We, right. we just have to get out and do it. You know, stay there, Richard. Let's bring Peter in. Hey, Richard, uh, as a pukekohe um, um, lad, uh, um, look, um, Kiaka and Aroha to all our growers. Uh, look on Saturday mornings. You know, talking you know, on the sidelines of sports, you know, which is what we as a community are talking about, you know, in our churches, at our town hall meetings, you know, in our, in our sessions with Waka Kotahi about roads coming through our town. You know, this is, you, the, it just not only impacts the consumer, but impacts our whole communities and, uh, um, and, and love to the growers across the country who are doing it hard, but also at the same time doing it with, uh, you know, what they've always done for generations, which is grow the food that we need as a country, but also for overseas. So keep strong and thank you for all that you do. Appreciate it. Richard, can I also raise something? Is there something to be said? I've, anecdotally, people are starting to buy frozens uh, more than they have done in the past. Is that having an impact? You know, your frozen well, think, beans, your frozen veggies, you know? Yeah, look, I, I think it definitely is, and I think it goes back to the decisions that each consumer makes around what they want to spend their money on. And, you know, we're acutely aware of that. When when fresh pricing gets up, people will revert to frozen because often it's it's imported, it's grown in countries that have a cheaper cost of production and, and bought in here. So that's an alternative for consumers. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a, a, a real issue for us as, as uh, vegetable suppliers. And so, you know, we have to get our supply lines right because right. our supply lines have been too tight, which is which has forced our prices are higher than what um, than what consumers have been prepared to pay. How long is it going to? Um, just finally, how long is it going to take the supply to return to normal? We were talking to actually Calvin from Gisborne saying, look, he's lost all his potato crops, half of the tomatoes, and all of his brassica crops, like your broccolis. Yeah, look, it's going to be quite mixed, and you know, you've got things like uh, broccoli and lettuce and salads, which which is a key part of what we're doing here uh, in Gisborne and in Pukekohe and Matamata. And everything that we're harvesting now has been planted post uh, cyclone, 
So, you know, you get those shorter rotation things that turn around really quickly. Um, but those season, those annual crops like potatoes and onions and things like that, obviously they're impacted all year. And so the supply is, is basically in the shed and the next lot of supply will come in um, next year. Yeah, very good. Nice to have you on, Richard Kiora. That's Richard Burke there, General Manager of Vegetable Growing Group Leader Brand. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Ella Henry, uh, that notion of food security really hits you in the face, doesn't it? Once you uh, throw in the uh, the changing weather, you know, the changing nature regarding climate change, and you, you, know, you see the downward effects of an event uh, months down the road, it's quite something, huh? And this is the new normal. I think we have to, as a nation, as a planet, as a species, start planning a little better for the new normal. But at a local level, I I see it when I go to the supermarket, you know, people spending so long making decisions about about staple foods because you know they're struggling and, and, and how do we as a nation also support that while planning for climate change. That's the great challenge moving forward. Someone says, uh, Chris says, Wallace, you sound like a snob when you're suggesting that frozen food is beneath you. Check yourself, Wallace. You do not represent our country anymore. Oh, I, I ah. didn't say that. That's what we eat. Ah. <laughs> that's, that what, fat. that's what I eat. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I think he made a good point, though, that some of that frozen food is coming from overseas. It is. You know, so we have to support our local growers. We have to support our local manufacturers. And if that means we stop buying frozen food from other countries, well, then let's do it as a nation. And look, in, in Counties Manukau, you know, for, you know, play of the week, uh, we all always still, you know, years later, still give uh, a bag of spuds out to the play of the week. Really? Yep. Fantastic. Representative. Um, that is awesome. You know, that's our, that's oh, our history. That's our whakapapa. It's so, made my day. You know. Good. Uh, now, um, just another update here. Uh, you'll hear more about it on Checkpoint, but please do not believe the fire has been deliberately lit, but the cause of the fire won't be known until after the scene examination is done. Uh, so uh, going back to the top of the show, when uh, the report saying, look, it's pointless to speculate uh, on the fire itself. Wait till the examination has been done and we'll know more then. I wanted to get to this, so finally, on the panel. Motowaka District brass band members are miffed about the money being charged to them for closing off roads. Um, the charge to close a Motowaka road for an hour uh, for a brass band competition has outraged one Paul Hawkes, who says it is stifling the community spirit. The Christmas parade, even, may not go ahead due to the traffic management costs. And I thought, well, what's all this about? So I thought, let's get Paul Hawkes, who is the Mortarica District Brass Band President and the Drum Major. Paul, welcome. Wallace, good afternoon. How are you? Great. Lovely to have you here. And nothing compares to a solid brass band tune Feet in rhythm down a main street, I've got to say. Yeah, the, mar- the marching side of it, unfortunately, starting to fall by the way. There's a lot of um, oh. a lot of bands, through, district bands throughout New Zealand, which are struggling to get enough membership uh, to play. But oh. uh, when we do get the membership and, and get the, the enthusiasm going, all of a sudden we're met with some stifling, stifling road closure costs. What's the issue here? How much? Well, the... <laughs> When we initially approached three of the local providers, 
I mean local uh, 50k away, um, $2,800. What? To close, the road, to close 80, 100 metres of one road, 120 metres of another, and about 80 of the third. Um, and that's not long? even a main street. Um, yeah. Maximum of an hour. 60 minutes nearing 3k? Yep. Unbelievable. And we went back to one of the providers and just said, look, we're a community organisation. We, we've just spent in excess of $15,000 on new uniforms and you expect us to front up with with $2,800 to close the road. They, in their good heart, which I have to thank them very much, reduced it to $1,800 or $1,900, um, which was a huge saving. But again, it's just an exorbitant amount. Our local, you mentioned our local Christmas parade. I was one of the co-founders of the Christmas parade here 28 odd years ago. Um, and to close the main street now, $9,000. It is a state highway, admittedly, but $9,000 to shut the road for two and a half to three years. Max. All right, let's see what our panel think of it, whether, whether you've got a point, Paul, or whether they think that um, traffic management is highly skilled logistics. Ella? I, I understand. I, I mean, there's a lot more humans, there's a lot more cars, there's a lot more people involved in keeping public events on main roads, you know, keeping people safe. So I get that. But there must be some way that we, you know, we've got such a philanthropic bent in our society that we could be, I don't know, creating some separate pool particularly for small regional communities like this, because good on you, you know, for having this public event and, and all the work that goes into it, and who doesn't love a brass band? Um, we, we, we need to be looking at philanthropy maybe, because I can see the costs are important to protect people, but we also need a pot of money to ensure these community events go on, because they are crucial to our identity. Stay there, Paul. Peter? Yeah, I'm surprised out of the three um, <clears throat> the three con- contractors, they, did, they didn't have a you know, a community group fee of, of sorts, um, you know, secondly, philanthropy could be another option as well. But what I would say is, uh, um, you know, it's an exciting time for brass bands. I mean, we've got that great movie, Red, White and Brass, that's out at the moment. Yes. Uh, um, and, right. you know, what? it's a great movie. It's, you know, and, and, and I do hope, you know, uh, as the event goes ahead that you get some more folks coming in and um, let's enjoy all the brass bands across the country. To those who might say briefly that traffic management is highly important, it's very skilled logistics, 3K is nothing, what would you say? Well, my, my biggest issue is it's not a main road. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to close a side street. Um, I'd even thought about running the gauntlet and closing it myself. I'm wow. that passionate about this that I am considering setting my own traffic management qualification. You're kidding me. Being able to do it to do it for the community or any community for the filing fee only. Because I say you you need some specific equipment to do it. Fine, that's that's cool. Once you've got it, you've got it. You just need the 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 nous to be able to do it. The the knowledge behind it to submit the traffic management plans, and a group of of trained volunteers. Um, in the community, and I know damn well I've had so many people from outside of the Motueka community, from Hokitika, Westport, um, I've had a couple from the North Island who struggled with their Anzac parades to get the roads closed for their Anzac parades. What's happening here? What is happening, New Zealand? Get in touch with the panel. That's what you need to do around the country. Email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. Are you feeling what Paul Hawks from the Motueka District Brass Band has putting down, that our streets are being closed so events can't happen? Uh, Paul, all the best. Hope 
it all goes well with the Mortarwaka District Bass Band for the future. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate the time. No problems at all. And wonderful panel, both of you. It's great to connect with you, uh, Dr. Henry and Peter you. Have a great evening, eh? Thank you. All right. Uh, Checkpoint is next with Lisa Owen on the latest regarding the fires. I'm back tomorrow, 3.45.